great time just seeking the Lord. We've been in this series that we've called uh, Battle Ready, and we've taught, we're talking about how to face the battles of life, because how many of you know there will be battles in life? There's going to be battles in life. Uh, not military battles, although we went with the military motif just to kind of set the tone, but probably most of us won't have a military battle necessarily. Uh, we may not be on the football field battling out on the gridiron, but we will have battles in this life. We're going to have battles that, the battles of the soul, which are the really important battles, relational battles, marriage battles, health battles, financial battles. We're going to face these things, like, and it's just, it's just reality. In 2024, you're probably going to have at least one of them, right? Like, and, and just as a test, I'm not trying to speak that over anybody, um, but I'm just trying to say, like, it's probable because how many of you had a battle last year? At least one. Just raise your hand if you had one battle, all right? Most of us raising our hands. The rest of us are lying because everybody, everybody has battles. Just as a testimony, how many of you already had a battle this year? Something that you've already, look at that. So, so you're having to apply these, these ideas because it's just, it's just inevitable. And the reality is, is we have to ask the question, what does God think about it? What does God think about the battles that we face? Does God care? Is he interested? What does he have for us? And the reality is, he does care, he is interested, and he has victory for us. He has victory for us in the battles that we face. Jesus said it this way in John 16, 33. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. You're gonna have trouble. You're gonna have a crisis. You're gonna have a difficulty. You're gonna have a situation. He says, but take heart. Everybody say, take heart. Come on, everybody with a little bit of strength, say, take heart. Turn to someone next to you and say, take heart. Come on, take heart. Because Jesus says this, I have overcome the world. Powerful phrase. Think about this for a moment. Jesus, Jesus is saying this. And this is before he goes to the cross. This is before he raises from the dead. He says, I have overcome. He said, I've, I'm, already, I'm already there. He's already, he's already through it. Because he is, he is the same yesterday, today, and then. He is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. So he's already there at the end, even before he's gone through it. So he's got victory even before he's experienced it, because that's who Jesus is. And he says, take heart, because he's already overcome the world. The Apostle Paul ties into this sentiment in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where he says, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Everybody say, thank God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying because Jesus has overcome, he gives that same ability to overcome. And that means that when you go through a difficulty, when you face a battle, you got to know, even as you're on the front side of it, or you might be already into it a little bit, you've got to know and believe at the core of your being that God has victory for you. That he's not called you to suffer and struggle and not be able to be an overcomer. But we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So we're talking about, so how do we do that? If that's God's will, if that's true at all, how do we access it? And so we're talking about being battle ready. And uh, we're, we're using this little story, the Old Testament, King Jehoshaphat, great king, funny name. And it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is where we're looking. And he finds himself in this situation where three different nations are attacking him, okay? So he's, got, he's, in the, he's in the southern kingdom. Israel, at this point in its history, is divided in two. He's the king of the southern kingdom, the, the, the kingdom of Judah. And he is 
He is being attacked by three nations. He's way out, man. He's, he's way outnumbered. This is not going to go well. I mean, he sees them. They're right there. They're coming down for him. And, and he's like, man, we've got, we've, there's no way we're going to win this. So he calls the people to fast and to pray. We looked at that two weeks ago in the power of prayer. And God gives them a word. And sometimes when you're going through a battle, you just need a word from God. And we talked about that last week. So when you get God's word, God will speak a word to you. But this is the word that the prophet says to him. The battle is not yours. It's God's. Everybody say, it's God's. That's, that's what he, they walk away. So they're like, man, it's not, this is not our battle. This is God's battle. They move forward with that knowledge. And God gives them a really cool victory, which we're going to cover today. And so we've been, lear- we've been learning three things through this series. Number one, pray the way. Number two, stay true to the word. And number three, win with worship. Win with worship. So if you missed any of these, I want to encourage you to go check that out. Because, man, it's just the way that the Bible communicates this truth is absolutely fantastic. Today we're going to talk about how to win with worship. How to win with worship. And we're going to look at the, the last part of this, uh, of this passage. We'll tie in. Uh, the part that we've read, we've covered, but we're going to we'll finish the story. Second Chronicles chapter 20, we're going to learn how to win with worship. And if you're ready to do that, you're ready to jump in, say, I am. Okay. Verse 14 says this, then the spirit of the Lord, so this is God speaking through the prophet Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph as he stood in the assembly. So this is a guy who is a Levite. He's a priest. He's someone who represents God. And he gets up and he says, hey, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. Again, these people are freaked out. This army is about to take them over, probably going to kill a lot of them and certainly going to kill Jehoshaphat. And so he says, listen, listen to what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, March down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel, and you will not have to fight this battle. And watch, watch what he tells them. This is very interesting. So he's like, the battle is, your, is not yours, it's the Lord's. And watch what he tells them. He says, take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord that he will give you, Judah, And Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. So he says, hey, listen, this is not your battle. It's God's battle. All you have to do is take up your positions, stand firm, and see what God will do. So what does Jehoshaphat do in response to that word from the prophet? Look at this, verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korathites stood up and praised the Lord, like, let's go, yes. They praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So early in the morning the next day, they left for the desert of Tekoa, and as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, this guy who just told us that the battle is the Lord's, and you will be successful And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord 
for his love endures forever. Can we pause for a moment and think about how ridiculous this is? Okay, put yourself back in the story. Three nations, vast army, they've joined together. They're coming against you. And you get a prophet saying, the battle is the Lord's, so let's go out, stand firm. And as you start walking out, you know, can you just imagine all the men? He's like, all right, men, are you guys ready? And you've got to think, these guys are battle. They're ready. They're ready for battle. Think, think Lord of the Rings. Okay, same experience in the first service. People have not watched Lord of the Rings. <laughs> think Braveheart. Okay, few, okay, whatever. Think any, like, war paint. Think guys, like, like just getting, like, themselves pumped up. You ready? Yeah, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go, let's go, yeah. That was a headbutt, if you didn't catch that. You ready? Look at that vast army. Let's do this. Are you ready? I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Leader gets up, King Jehoshaphat, you guys ready? Yeah! Sing. I'm sorry, I think he just said sing. No, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he said. Sing? This is nuts! But you know, he's talking to the men. He calls out the men. Real men sing. Right there. <laughs> says, sing. It's great for the if girls are there, great for the girls, but he calls out the guys. He says, men, sing. Now watch this, verse 22. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon. Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated the Ammonites and Moabites rose up check this out watch this the Ammonites and Moabites this invading army rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them so they start fighting each other and after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir they helped to destroy one another so just can you picture this get the armies and these guys are like Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Walking around, singing, and then all of a sudden, they just hear all the clanging of the swords in the hills. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. It's working. I don't know. They're fighting each other. They completely destroy each other. If you read the next few verses, when the Israelites get there to the place that all this was happening, all they see is dead bodies, and they start going through and picking up all of the stuff, all of the plunder, all of the resources. Best case scenario, because everybody likes free stuff. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I mean, free 99, my favorite price. And so there's like, okay, we're walking through, like, man, this is best case. They go from about to be annihilated to now the armies fighting each other. Then they go through and they pick up all of the stuff. 
You can't get any better. And the way that it happened was singing. Singing. We're reading the same Bible, everybody, right? You guys tracking with me? Singing. Singing. Look at this. Um, Then led by Jehoshaphat, verse 27. Skip down to 27. All the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully, I would guess, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres, which is kind of like a guitar, and trumpets. And the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Check this out. They've got a battle. They worship, they win, and then they worship again. And now their enemies are kept at bay because of their worship. Are you tracking with that? Are you seeing how that works? Worship is powerful. Worship is powerful. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for as God had given him rest on every side. How does it happen? How does Jehoshaphat interpret what the prophet says to him is don't be discouraged, don't be afraid, stand firm and go out, you don't have to fight this. He interprets that encouragement as sing. How does he do that? I was, I was asking this question, and Nathan and I were talking about this in our sermon prep. How, how, does, this, how does this happen? And I, I didn't know until I looked a few chapters before. I looked a few chapters before in 2 Chronicles chapter 15 because there's an interaction that happens with his dad, King Asa, where God was working and God was doing some stuff in his life, and the prophet comes to him, a different prophet, Not the same one that just spoke to Jehoshaphat, but a different prophet comes and says, the Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Good word. That's a great word. And it's true. If you want God to be with you, if you want God to help you, if you want to feel close to the Lord, get close to God. Pray. Get in the word. Spend time in worship. So Jehoshaphat is seeing the prophet tell his dad that. And what does his dad do? He responds in verse 11. At that time, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 head of cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder that they had brought back. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all their heart and soul. Everybody say they were all in. And watch this. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. Sound familiar? Does it sound like what we just read? How? Worship. So Jehosh- little Jehoshaphat, little Japhat, <laughs> running around the palace, watching dad have this interaction with the prophet, then responding with worship. He's saying, man, when God calls you to be with him, you go to worship. When God says, I've got you and, I, and I've, got, I've got you right, right, right where I want you, you go to worship. So that's why he sings. Do you know what Jehoshaphat knows? He knows the priority of praise. He understands that praise comes before a battle, it comes in the midst of a battle, and it comes at the end of a battle. He understands that praise should just be something, praise and worship should be something that's just happening in our life constantly, 
as we're going through the different things, we should be constantly singing songs and lifting up praise and worshiping God. It's praise is the point. Praise is where all of our thoughts about God should lead. It should lead to worship. That's, when we think about God, you just keep thinking about him. You're like, man, I can't help but worship him. Because when we really know who he is, when we really understand that he is the creator of all of this, that he is entirely holy and worthy and awesome, when we understand who he is, all we can do is praise. All we can do is worship. Jehoshaphat understands this. And so that's why we're going to take, we're gonna, we only, I don't know if you're paying attention, we only did two songs at the front. Some of you are feeling cheated. We got a little special. We're going to, we move the third song that we do and we put it right at the end. So we're going to do a little worship lab here. A little practical application. Now, some of you are new. And so you're like, oh, no. I knew it was going to be weird, honey. When the keys guy goes up, grab your purse. Let's get out of here. Just give me a second, if you would. Because, because honestly, with all, with all the stuff we've been talking about, prayer, being in the word, and now worship, it's, it's an exercise of faith. And when we, when we apply it, man, God does amazing things, and worship is powerful. And so here's what I want to do. I want to take a little bit of time. I want to explain. I want to explain the, uh, where worship comes from, what it's about. The actual word worship comes from an old English word called worth shape. Worth shape. That's how they would say it, worth shape in, in old English terms. And it's interesting because it's, it's, it's very appropriate that they would use those words to describe worship. Because worship is giving your worth to something and then being shaped by the thing that you give your worship to. And the reality is all of us worship. You know, in church, you know, sometimes church leader will be like, oh man, that person's a worshiper. You know what that means? Like they really get into it. They do like this thing. Like they're like, they didn't stop right at windshield wiper. They went straight up to praise hands. Like they're into it. So we say that person's a worshiper. But the reality is all of us are worshipers. The question isn't, are we a worshiper or are we not? The question is, what are we worshiping? Are we, are we worshiping created things, or are we worshiping the creator? That's really what it comes down to. We are all, everybody worships. It's the, the word, you wanna know what you worship, it's the thing that drives you. Worship, you wanna know what you worship? It's the thing that's the greatest to you. So what's the greatest thing to you? If it's, now let me just tease this out. If it's your finances, if the greatest thing to you is your finances, then money will drive you. And then money will shape you, right? If, it, if the greatest thing in your life is your job, then success will drive you and success will shape you. Or if what people think about you, then approval will drive you and approval will, do you see this? What you give your worth to shapes you. You will be shaped by the thing that you worship. And this, you could say it this way, we are made for worship and we are made by our worship. I mean, that's worthy of a, at least that's good, an amen, preach, preach, preacher, keep it on, something like that. 
write it down, anything. We are made for worship, and we're made by our worship. It's true. And this all goes back to the beginning because God made us for worship. When you go back to the Garden of Eden, you have Adam and Eve, and they're, they're walking in communion with God, and it's, this, it's, it's unhindered communion. It's beautiful. It's, it's a relationship, and they're, enjoy, they're glorying in their creator. And then sin gets in and messes all of it up. And so right from the beginning, God puts this sacrificial system as a placeholder for what ultimately Jesus will bring, which is worship that is true again, back to the garden, if you will. And so Jesus says it this way in John chapter four. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come. He's like, man, when I'm here, this is what I'm bringing. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Now, what that word for worship that he uses there is the Greek word proskuneo. And it means to bow down in reverence, honor, glory, respect. So it means, man, you're, God is looking for people who honor him. God is looking for people who glory in him. God is looking for people who respect him, who understand that he's not just anything or anybody. He is the body. He is the thing. He's over all of it. So it means that, but, but it, also means, it also means kiss. It means to bow down, but then it also means kiss. And it means an intimate greeting of someone that you are familiar with family or friend. So God is saying, Jesus, watch, are you seeing what Jesus is saying? He's saying the worship that I am bringing online right now, what I've, what I'm coming to get you back to the Garden of Eden, and it's, it's reverence and it's closeness. Do you see that? It's awe and wonder and it's intimate. That's what God made us for. We are made for worship, and we are made by our worship. So and there's two ways that this, this teases out. Because it's personal, so it's here, but it's also expressed. It's also expressed. And it starts with our, it starts with our minds. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Worship is a mental thing. It starts in your head. Where your thoughts go, your worship will follow, Right? What you think about the most is where your thoughts will go. Like, you know, I mean, so example, some people, like we're all Chiefs fans. I'm an adopted Chiefs, we're all Chiefs fans, Chiefs kingdom. And then there are like some people who are super fans, and then there's some people who are just a little cray. <laughs> you know, it's like all they think about. They wake up, they're looking at it, like they're driving on the way to work, sports radio. They get to the, they get to the water cooler, and it's like, guys, like, how are you doing? I don't know. I'm terrible. Why? Kelsey dropped a ball. You know what I'm saying? Have you met this person? Or it's like, you know, person who's like, you know, money, is, they're talking about money all the time. They wake up and they're on the stock, you know, and if the stock's up, they feel amazing. Like, how are you doing? Awesome! Apple just went up 2%. And if the stock drops a little bit, it's like, how are you doing? Oh, terrible. Because their life's driven by where, so where your thoughts go, your worship will follow. Do you see that? The thing that we think about most is what we worship. So if God is the most important thing, which if you're a follower of Christ, he is, singing 
is a way to direct your thoughts back to God. Singing worship songs, get your thoughts back on track. Because sometimes even in prayer, has you, have you noticed this, that your, your thoughts can wander? Like you start praying about something, then you just start worrying about something. Sometimes my prayer times turn into worry times. And sometimes it's good to like think things through, but that, sometimes I'll realize I'm like, I'm worrying, I'm thinking, but I'm not praying. So I have to pray, I have to steer. But see, worship, a worship song immediately gets your thoughts where they need to be. You start singing about God. You start singing about how good he is, how holy he is. All of a sudden, your thoughts just completely get shaped towards God, and then you get shaped by those thoughts. So you walk away with victory because you're closer to God. Do you see how this works? Okay, the, the, David talks about this in Psalm 95. He starts, he starts dealing with his mind, and he's fixing his mind on God. He says, for the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. He's like, God is bigger. God is greater. God is the one. God is the most significant thing. He's reminding himself that he, that he serves the one and only God. Look at verse four. In his hand are the depths of the earth. He holds, he holds the earth in his hand. The mountain peaks, they belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. God is the creator. He spoke the world into existence. This isn't an accident, and he's in control. He does this all throughout the Psalms. Look at Psalm 19.1. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Psalm 146, he is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. Psalm 121, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You know what he's saying? He's saying, God made everything. He's reminding himself how big God is, how powerful God is, and he's finding his worth and his identity being shaped by that. So what happens is now he's like, man, God is amazing, and God is miraculous. God can do anything. So this battle that I'm facing, it's big to me, but it's nothing for him. Do you see how that works? That's why praise goes before. Praise is in the middle, and praise is at the end of every battle. That's why we've got to praise. We've got to praise. And then what happens is worship results in the closeness of God. Because watch how David personalizes his worship. Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He's like, God, you're great. You're amazing. You're huge. You're massive. And you love me. And you have a plan for me. And you're working even in this situation. Do you see how when you are in the middle of a battle, Praise will power you through. Praise will power you through. So it's a mental thing. It starts with your mind. It starts with your mind. It starts in your brain. But it doesn't stay there. Real worship is not just a mental thing. It's a physical thing. It starts in your head, but it gets expressed. And the reason we can see even this biblically, it's a response to what God is doing. Zephaniah 3.17 says this. The Lord, your God, is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. I love that verbiage. I just got to read it like that. Mighty warrior. Now watch this. He's a mighty warrior. He will take great delight in you. He, in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but rejoice over you with singing. 
Do you see God like that? Because that's how he's described in the Bible. He's strong, and he sings over you. Is that, can you relate to that? Any parents relate to that? When you have your little baby, and you start singing to him? You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You never know just how much I love you. And you see them go, yeah. That's God singing over you. So you're singing back to the one who sings over you. You're like, I love you too, God. And you sing, you sing back to him. See, David understood this. That's why he's like, man, it's so important that we sing, that we express it. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. So it's sing, and then we shout. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music. That's why you have a band and song. David's like, man, I can't just keep this in my mind. I've got to sing it out. And when the church comes together, we've got to shout. Do you ever notice how natural this is? Like when you get a bunch of people together and music starts going, like people get into it. Like you go to a concert. Do you see this? You go to a concert. Like you may not even know what the music is, but it starts going and people just start. <laughs> right? It's so natural. Football game. Come on, Chiefs Kingdom. Everyone's just going, yeah, you're high-fiving people you don't even know. I love you, man. We respond to music. We get into it like, yes, let's go. Woo. Yes. Why? Or babies. You notice babies when they're little? Every baby has rhythm. We grow out of it. Some of us. But every baby has rhythm, right? The music starts going. <laughs> ah, you know? Cruz had my son, or my oldest son, he had a little stank move. He was like, <laughs> I was so cute. It was like, he is getting it. Unfortunately, he grew out of it. When it's natural. Why? God made us to respond to music back to him. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we've gotten away from the Bible and we've gotten attached to, to, to traditions that say you're in church. Shh. It's time to be quiet. It's church. Says who? Not the Bible. We're Bible people here at Summit Park. We're into the Bible. If it's in the Bible, let's talk about it because I think God wants us to know because he's kept that literally thousands of years so that we could look at it. And David understands something about worship. Look at this. Psalm 81. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of Jacob. Begin the music. Strike the timbrel. Play the melodious harp and lyre. Sounds like something Jack Black would say. <laughs> David said it first, y'all. 
and it was about worship. He's like, rock out to God. He says, Psalm 98, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with the trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. That's what church worship should look like. And that's a good time for the worship team to come up on the stage. Psalm 150. See if you can stay in your seats after I read this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the tremble and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Again, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Worship is meant to be expressive. God likes music, and he likes it loud. Need some proof? Revelation 14 and 19 describes heaven as the sound of raging waters, roaring waters. You ever been, like, to Niagara Falls or a place like next to a waterfall that's like really, like just strong. It's, it's like loud, deafening. It's not like, shh, God's here. He might be offended if you make a sound. God likes music and he likes it loud. He loves us to clap. Shout. That's why at the end of the worship songs, we clap. It's not for the worship team, although you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. We'll clap for you now. During worship, we clap. It's to God. It's like, yeah, you did pretty good. You're amazing. Some of you are like, man, I would sing. But you're like, when I sing, sounds like cats fighting. <laughs> well, I got a verse for you. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Doesn't matter how it sounds. All right, what's up with all this lifting of hands? It's biblical too, turns out. Psalm 134, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It, you praise the Lord. You're saying, I, God, I give you glory. I can, I can do it at a football game. I can do it at a concert. I think I can do it for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth. Some of you are like, man, I'm new to this. All right, start small. You can start by carrying the TV. It's okay. Ease on into it. Gradually elevate that TV and wash the windows. You can windshield wiper right into, I've got a question no one's answering. <laughs> into, God, you are amazing. You are awesome. 
Come on, would you stand with me all across this place? Here's what, I just wanna take a few moments. We've got a song we're gonna sing. We've saved, took, we're not taking any more time, all right? So don't worry. But I wanna take a minute to apply this. This is the word of God. And it should prompt us to respond back to God. And so I just wanna create a moment. Like, this isn't about, this isn't about anything else than him. So although we've talked about mental and expressive, like, well, you could, could we just focus on God for a second? And I, I want us to start with our mind. So can we just close our eyes for just a second? Let me, let me read these verses over you. Going back to Psalm 95. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. There's no one greater. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands form the dry land. Heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That is such a good truth that I can't possibly keep it inside. So we go to Psalm 95 and we talk about what the church is supposed to be. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of Jacob. Begin the music. Come on, band. Strike the timbrel and play the melodious harp and lyre. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing and praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals, with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. Will you take a moment right now? Give him 30 seconds. Give Jesus Christ 30 seconds of your best praise. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We glorify you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. You are good and you do good. And you are amazing. You are awesome. Come on, take a minute. Take a minute and think about how he's been good to you. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you. We love you, Jesus. Nobody like you. Come on, now just take a moment. Sing a song back to God. God, we praise you. Come on, in your own words. God, we love you. God, we praise you. You are worthy of my praise. You are worthy of my praise. God, I love you. God, I praise you. You alone are my sanctuary, God. And I love you. I thank you for what you've done for me, for how you've helped me time and time again, how you came through for me, Lord. 
you are awesome. You are faithful. Nobody like you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise, give you honor, glory. Come on, church, and take a minute. Let's respond to him in worship.